0: So good to be with you, Joy Church Online. What a great time in worship. What a great time in the presence of God. And it's an exciting day because it is the day before Penny's birthday, which is tomorrow. My daughter is turning five. And so yesterday she said, Daddy, guess what? Tomorrow is Father's Day. And my heart swelled with pride. My heart swelled. I thought my daughter, she really wants to turn her attention and affection towards her father And honor me on this special day. And she said, Daddy, tomorrow's Father's Day, which means it's one day till my birthday. (laughs) And so today she came running into the room and she said, Dad, happy Father's Day. Happy birthday to me. Happy birthday to me. So I want to just say happy day before Penny's birthday to all of you dads. Uh, We need to really respect what this day is about. In all seriousness, happy Father's Day. We're so excited to uh, just celebrate and honor dads we need more dads uh not yeah we need more yeah but we need more dads to step up and raise their kids love their wives serve Jesus go on that mission and be the man that God's called them to be and we honor all the fathers you're doing a great job you're probably doing a better job than you think you are there's so many things that maybe you think I'm I'm messing it up here I'm not I'm not getting it right you know what? Just your presence and your engagement with your children as you do that as you serve God, that's a that's a wonderful thing. So, just want to celebrate that today. Happy Father's Day. And on that note, dads, we have a wonderful gift for you. If you will show up at the loft, 2940 Chad Drive, 2940 Chad Drive at 5:30 tonight, we've got a gift for you. So, you don't want to miss it. Come on through. And I'll tell you what it is so that you can just know. I won't try to be a surprise because I don't want you to think it's like a brand new um, jet ski or something like that. It's not that. It's beef jerky. So I will personally be here, not just because I'm passing it out, but I want to have some beef jerky for myself. So, dads, we've got a gift for you between 5.30 and 6.30. You've got to come in that window. If you show up at 6.30 and 20 seconds, we're turning you away. Beef jerky-less. No meat for you. Nice try. Come back next year. You've got to be here at 5.30 to 6:30 because we will see you then. Okay, so we got a gift for you, dads. Really excited about that. Another thing that I'm really, really pumped about is that we are coming back together into live and in-person gatherings starting this Wednesday, June 24th at 6:30 at Emerald Park off of River Road. So uh, we're gonna get you information. You can go to the website. You can go to Facebook, but look at the event there. But find that park. But 6:30. And we're providing uh, free food. Now, you bring your own side dishes and all that, but we're going to provide some hot dogs for everybody. And uh, it gives us an an awesome opportunity to get back together. We're going to have a real brief message, some brief worship. But really, it's about a time of fellowship, just getting connected. So bring everybody out. The kids can play on the park. It's a great park if you haven't been there before. And we can't wait to see you. Now, because we're providing food and everything, please go to Facebook and RSVP for that event. Just say, yes, I'm going Maybe in the comments say, this is how many from my family are coming. And uh, the more the merrier. We can't wait to see you there. So 6.30, we're jumping in with in-person. And I know you guys are excited about that. I'm excited about that. The team is excited. We're pumped about it. So we will see you there. Uh, real quickly, today, right after uh, the message ends, there's a quick video. It t- tells you how to get engaged in a connect group. So what we're doing right now is that we're not just we're not just spectating in these services, we're participating. And so one of the ways we do that is that right after the message, you can go to joyeugene.com live, that's joyeugene.com live, and jump into a connect group. There's Zoom groups set up with a bunch of great people in the church, ready for you just to jump in and start engaging and talking about how you can grow from the message that you hear on Sunday. So please, if you haven't gone to a connect group, jump in, go to a connect group. Don't ignore it. Don't go, oh, I'll get to it next week. One of the things about online church that I've noticed is that we, as believers, we have to be more intentional about engaging. So it's a little easier when the church is happening on Sunday. You can kind of go, and everything's happening. You kind of get your your Christian, you know, uh, injection for the week or whatever. And it's not supposed to be like that, but it's a little easier to sort of coast along that way. But as we're doing online, what I've seen as a pastor and just as a follower of Jesus myself is that it's a little harder. To just sort of coast along on other people's momentum spiritually. And so I want to challenge you that you need to be intentional about engagement. We do not forsake the assembling of ourselves together. And You go, well, we're not even meeting together. We're online. No, but this is an opportunity for us to come together in those groups. So that's my challenge. That's all I'm going to say, and it's a lot of fun. It's great. So we'll see you there in connect groups. Okay, Uh, last but not least, before we jump into the message, this is our opportunity to give back to the Lord, and be generous with all of his blessings that he's given to us. So we uh, have lots of opportunities and ways you can give, uh, and you can honor the Lord and worship him in your giving. You just go to joyeugene.com slash give, joyeugene.com slash give, and there's online giving, text to give, and all those ways. So Lord, I just pray right now that you would bless the offering, bless the givers as they give back to you, Lord, what you have given to them. Lord, I thank you today that you are our provider, You provide for us in every way, including from the the basic things of life, like the breath we breathe, Lord, the light that that shines upon us. And Lord, moving on from there, you provide our finances, you provide our provision for food, for shelter, for all things. And so Lord, we, we thank you that you provide for us. And it's our privilege and honor to worship you in the tithe and to worship you and obey you in our giving. So Lord, we open up our hearts in generosity We thank you that you've not called us to have empty hands, but to have open hands and to to be willing to allow your blessings to flow freely in and out as we give to your kingdom. So Lord, we thank you for that, and we give you uh, our offering as an act of worship today in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. Amen. Awesome. Well, guys, we're going to jump into our message today. I'm really excited because we have have a special message about fatherhood and a special message about getting the right view of God. We're in a series called Zoomed Out, and Pastor Kyle did a phenomenal job last week. Bethany and I were on a trip, and we got to watch in the car, and uh, the great thing was Kyle's shirt was so loud, it actually was like a beacon, that as it was on the the dash, it called us forward to drive even faster. Um, And, uh, no, I'm just kidding. I have maybe even a louder shirt, I think it's possibly true, that I wear sometimes. No, that was such a great message so encouraging. So please, sh- shout out to him on social media. What a great message. If you didn't watch it, I want to encourage you to go back to that last week and watch that awesome message. And, and in this series about, about zooming out, um, we're talking about that we can get caught up and not see the forest for the trees. We can get caught up into the mundane, the, 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 the just the normal details of life, and sort of miss God's bigger vision and picture for our life. Okay, and so it's so easy to do that, right? You've heard that analogy that you can't see the forest for the trees. Many times we're caught in the woods, right? We're caught seeing all the details of life, good or bad. It doesn't have to be a negative circumstance, but then we, we need to get zoomed out and be able to see God's bigger picture of what he's doing in our lives, but also, and probably more importantly, what he's doing in history and in the church. I will say this, that you're never going to find your potential and your purpose Uh, as an individual, until you see your place in the bigger picture of what God is doing in the church and in the world. I know a lot of people are very unfulfilled and bored with life because they are exclusively pursuing their own individual fulfillment or enlightenment. And what happens is, as a human being, you were created to operate within the tapestry of the human race and as a, uh, an agent of change in connection with God, and you're wrapped into the spiritual world. And so when you just see yourself as like, well, I just need to make more money and get better at my thing and be more self-actualized, and you kind of live for you, you end up getting depleted and diminished. But when you actually see your place and who God's created you to be in your identity, but within the grander scheme of things is where you actually find fulfillment and meaning. And so as we talk about zooming out, that's kind of the backdrop of everything we're talking about. But today, I want to specifically deal with zooming out our view of God the Father, God the Father. Now, as a pastor, uh, I sometimes put my foot in my mouth or provoke people unintentionally, but today I want to do it on purpose, not put my foot in my mouth, but I want to challenge you because as a culture, we've sort of gotten a little uncomfortable with masculinity and fatherhood and gender and these types of things, but I just want to be very, very clear that God made a very distinct decision to reveal himself and operate and and deal with us from the position of as a father okay now I can't hear you getting angry gnashing your teeth or amening or whatever so I don't know if you like this don't like it or whatever but I want to be very clear that God chose to reveal himself as a father and there's a reason for that you see we've we've turned in culture uh, gender and these different things into value determinators. In, in other words, well, you know, are men more valuable? or women more valuable? We've turned it into a struggle. The reality is neither is more valuable intrinsically, but they are different, and they are distinct, and there is uh, strengths and, and things that go with being a father or being a mother. Is it better? Do we, are fathers more important than mothers? No. Are men more important than women? No. Are women more important than men? No, right? You hear what I'm saying here, okay? but there is a revelation of the Father. And this is what we need to capture as human beings because if God chooses to reveal himself in a certain way, it's because there's something special about getting this Father impact and influence in our life. But here's the thing. Many people have had their vision of God polluted because they had a bad father or a bad representation of what fatherhood or masculinity or manhood is in their life where a power and strength and authority was used for abuse rather than for protection and provision. I'm already preaching really good, and God's going to touch some people today. And so we're zooming out our view of God the Father. We're getting a proper perspective so we can receive from the Father what we need to receive. You see, you'll hear people talk about different things. They'll say, well, you should be eating kale. It's a superfood. No, no, gross, okay? Although I was nibbling on kale chips the other day, so I guess I am a, I am, I am, I'm, I'm good. I'm a health nut. But when people talk about these kind of healthy, different types of foods, what they're, what they're saying is there are vitamins and nutrients and nutritional value that you need to get. Man shall not live on donuts alone. Come on. You can't just eat Twinkies all day and think you're going to look like, uh, you know, look like a, an action here, It's not going to happen. There's nutritional value. In the same way, we have to catch the revelation of God as father in order to be who he's called us to be and really connect with what it means to be a human. We're supposed to, to, to connect with God as father, and there's something valuable about that. But as I said, people get a skewed view of fatherhood. They get a skewed view of God the father and have a hard time relating because of the failings of human beings but here's here's a huge mistake and we're seeing this all through our culture right now and I just want to come right at it is that we're throwing the baby out with the bathwater in so many areas where we go hey this thing is wrong or this is bad there my, my father abused me therefore men or fathers are abusive and bad that is bull mm-hmm well, this is what happened here, this is what happened here, and we're taking anecdotal evidence, which is it's meaningful, and we're elevating personal experience to the level of, of, a, of a worldview and this huge dogma, and, and it's not a good way to live. It's actually ignoring what is true and what is real. Here's the reality. You might not like kale, but that doesn't mean it's not good for you. You might have had a bad experience with a father, but that doesn't mean you don't need the revelation of the father in your life. And when you get a proper revelation of God the Father, then you're going to get healing and you're even going to get release and forgiveness and redemption in the broken and flawed human relationships with your Father that you've had. A lot of people have a skewed image of God because of their experiences. But what is required is a zoomed out view. And here's the thing. We tend to look into the details and then we create a big picture. I remember one time I was a kid and uh, man, I had an awesome dad. So I just have to say that right now. I mean, if my dad's gonna watch this, dad, you're my hero. I love you. I honor you. I respect you for the man that you are. What an incredible dad I had. I am so blessed. My siblings and I, we talk about our father and our mother. We're just incredibly blessed. Um, so lucky and undeservedly because I know so many people have not had a great dad. But my dad was an awesome dad. And uh, anyone that says otherwise is, is crazy because he was awesome. But, but one night, I was up in my room at our house, and I looked down to the veranda, and it was dark. It was pitch black dark, and I saw this ember. It looked like a a glowing ember, and I thought, in my mind, I was probably six, seven, eight years old, I thought that my dad was smoking a cigarette. Now, some of you, you go, so what? (laughs) You know, my dad smoked, whatever. Well, but let me put you into my over-saved Christian (laughs) world. Okay. I'm a pastor's kid. I I was born. I'm a pew rat. I was born my whole life. Most of my young age, I can remember looking up at the underside of pews. I remember very vividly the, the, the sanctuary ceiling because back in the day, we were like church people. We spent hours in church. Come on, not like one hour wimpy services like we do now. I'm talking about like church people. My parents were pastors. They were conservative. Like my mom, she thought rock music was from the devil. You know what I mean? I found a book in her office one time about Marxism and minstrels and the, the key changes that create the, the demons. And I mean, like, I was like, Mom, are you joking, you know? So this is, uh, you know, and they, they went far beyond that. Okay, but at the time, so you got to understand, here's my dad, he's a Christian, you know, he's a pastor. And I look out and I see this ember and I think my dad's smoking a cigarette. And I'm like, everything I believe is a lie. My whole world. Because because this vision or this idea I had of my father was being shattered. Okay, so I, I see it, and and the way the light was kind of moving, it just I I could see that I could in my mind I started to imagine the, the tendrils of smoke, and I think my dad's out here. He's chain smoking. <laughs> he's he's light, you know. What, what, he'd kill me if I was smoking. what's going on, you know. So I'm I'm heartbroken, and I spend about 10, 15, 20 minutes just like really like dealing with the existential crisis I'm going through. <laughs> Finally, I go downstairs and I go, Mom. Why is dad smoking? You know? And she's like, Smoking? (laughs) What do you mean smoking? She goes outside, and my dad has a phone, one of those cordless old phones from the 90s, right? You know what I'm talking about? And it had a light on it, and he was talking on the phone. And so that little ember that I saw was the little orange light. And he was just like, so nonplussed, like, What are you talking about smoking? I had the mistaken image that had created this whole perspective, and when I got it corrected, and I thought about it, I'm like, this is insane. Of course, my dad isn't out here smoking. Now, again, I'm not making that this isn't about smoking. Would it have been a sin for him to be smoking? No, I'm just, it was at that moment in my life, it was like a big deal. Okay, so hear me out on this. But when I actually zoomed out and saw the bigger picture, I thought, that's ridiculous. Why would I make an aspersion against the character of my father, who in every other way had never dropped the ball, you know what I mean? Had never shown any indication otherwise. Why would I, why would I default immediately to go, man, he's, he's doing the wrong thing. Why would I go there, and yet this is exactly what we do. Now you go, well, that's a fake story. He didn't really do anything wrong. Well, my dad has done wrong things. And sometimes he'll do wrong things, even in a relationship with me where I've had to go, okay, i got to recalibrate and see him for who he really is. But this is what we do with God. We get hurt. We get skewed. We get disappointed. We go through things in our life. We walk through situations and we just get annoyed or irritated or we go, God, it's not fair. I've done everything right. God, I've been given my tithe. I've been doing... I've been serving, Lord, I've been in the nursery for the past three weeks, and Sheila wasn't in the nursery, and you know, God, I've been doing this, and now my kid, this is what happens, and they get a bad grade in school, my husband decides to go run off with the secretary, and like, you let me down, and we get disappointed with God, and what we need to do is get a zoomed out view, and get reconnected to the goodness of God. I think it was not an accident. I didn't know we were singing that song today about the goodness of God, but what a beautiful reflection of the reality that God is ineffably good. He is, he is irresistibly gracious, and we need to get zoomed out and, and embrace what God is doing in the world, and recognizing that we're going to go up and down on the waves of circumstances and, and stuff in life, but we serve a good God, and He's worth worshiping. But we need to zoom out and see a bigger picture of God, and I want to just tell you right now, don't make a judgment in a moment that will last you a lifetime. How many times do we get a little bent out of shape, a little broken, a little irritated, and we make a judgment against God? We make a judgment against God. Read through the book of Job. I just finished that in my Bible reading plan, and it was so impactful because they're going through from human wisdom. It's like, well, Job, you're under this suffering because you did something wrong, and, and God, you know, why won't you hear my case? And there's, there's There starts to become this accusation against the character of God, and when God shows up in the story, finally he just says, who were you, and where were you when I was creating everything, and how do you know what you're talking about? And basically, it's just a slap down. It's like, Job, you don't know what the heck you're talking about. And Job just realizes at this certain point, man, I've just blown it, because I have made a lifetime judgment. I've cast this, this character aspersion against God, and I, when I zoom out, I realize, man, I'm nothing to make this accusation against him. Okay, so let's jump into the word today because I'm preaching a lot, and I can get off on a, on a wild, out-of-control train here, but this is something that means a lot to all of us to catch a revelation of the Father and not get lost in individual moments and create judgments that last a lifetime that really take us off track. So in the book of Matthew chapter 3, we get a story about the baptism of Jesus. Now, it's interesting because I think many of us have a sort of a comic book character view of Jesus and we sort of see him as a superhero um, in that he's like has superpowers and he doesn't really struggle and it, it, his, his outcome is never in doubt. But actually, Jesus was both fully God and fully man. So when you study the mystery of the incarnation theologically, it's really kind of a brain twister because you, you realize Jesus is operating as a human. And what he does on this earth, as Pastor Bill Johnson says, I think very eloquently, is under the, he's, he's a spirit empowered human being. So Jesus does, in in Philippians chapter 2, we we learn about what's called the kenosis. It means the emptying. He he empties himself of divine attributes and actually lives as a human being, okay? So he's both fully God and fully man. So you go, okay, what does all that mean? That's a lot of, you know, highfalutin theological stuff. Yeah, well, let's get into the meat and potatoes here. Jesus is operating as a spirit-empowered human, and he deals with these things that we deal with. He, he, He has this element of, uncertainty. And so he's getting ready to start his ministry. He's 30 years old, and it says, then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John, but John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? John recognizes this is the Messiah. This is the Savior of the world, the Lamb of God. Jesus replied, let it be so now it is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. And then John consented. Okay, I'll baptize you, but this is crazy, like you're the Son of God. But Jesus goes through this, And this is, I mean, I could preach about that right there. Because sometimes, ooh, I'm just going to let that one live. I'll have to (laughs) preach another message. There's too much to get into. You really want to know now, huh? All right, so as soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. And it says at that moment, heaven was opened and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son. But but listen, don't hear my voice. I have kind of like a high pitched, like vo- well, it's not super high pitched. It's Got some depth to it. But I want you to hear Morgan Freeman say this, right? I want you to hear Sean Connery say this, right? Right? <laughs> I'm not even going to try. I'll just abuse it. It'll be horrible. But this is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. This is my son with whom I love or whom I love, with him I am well pleased. These are the words that God speaks over Jesus. And these are the exact same words that God would speak over your life, that he is speaking over your life. But he only speaks these words as a father. And you gotta understand this. To receive these words, to take these words and have them go into your heart and transform you from the inside out, you've gotta be willing to accept the fatherhood of God. God as father, God as the authority, God as that individual with more power. That's kind of scary how powerful they are. You think about your, your father. Now, if you were abused, this is scary because you recognize that that power that your father had over, not just you physically, but your emotions and your mindset and your future and everything that, that a dad kind of speaks into or can kind of stand in that, that, that looming figure. It's actually pretty scary for people to see God this way because they were abused but that power that could abuse is that power that actually creates this transformation, okay? So hear me out on this. This is my son whom I love. With him I am well. Please, there are three things here that we all need to receive from the Father to be complete emotionally, to live out our destiny, to live out who God's called us to be. Number one is the word of identity. This is my son. You see, there's a pull to belong and identify with all different types of things. Even to identify with whatever group we want to identify with, good or bad, whether it's oppressive or victimized or whatever it may be. And it's so valuable for all of us to go, you know what, before I'm anything else, I'm a son or a daughter of God. And that is my family and that is my identity. Can I tell you what's going to really break racism down? It's not from getting... Woke or being aware or educating people or from you know races getting together and talking those things might all be good, okay, but what's really going to break down racism is when you know brothers and sisters because we have the same dad. And so, getting the word of identity, my friends, is what will transform people from the inside out. Do you know why that that I'm not a racist? Because how could I hate my brother or my sister? We have the same father. When you understand that, it's not about how you feel or what you think or how woke you are or whatever. No, it's about from a core level, you know your identity is not about the color of your skin. It's the content of your character, to quote Martin Luther King, Jr. but it's the content of your family, your real family, the family of God. Come on, I can feel the anointing on this today. And I don't use big words like anointing too often, but I feel it today, so I'm using it. This is my son. The word of identity. God claims you to be his own. But if you can't receive him as father, you're missing out on your heritage, on your inheritance, your identity. You guys have heard me tell the story about my son Jack. He's he's awesome. Maybe he's listening right now, but I love my son. I'm so proud of him. And my son, when he especially when he was younger, now he's too strong, he can beat me up. But but when he was younger, I'd put my hand on his chest, especially in his crib, you know, when he was like one or two or in his bed and I'd put my hand on his chest real strong, and I'd go, you're my son. I'd kind of get like that, like, Jack, you're my my son, you know? And I was trying to get my Morgan Freeman, you know, cool voice, my Liam Neeson voice, you know, and you're my son. And he would just kind of like smile. And you could feel life and power and energy about identity because I'm claiming him. He knows who he is. Come on, so much sin and brokenness. And bad mistakes and bad relationships and bad habits and bad patterns come because you don't know who you really are, who's your daddy, what's your identity, who you really are. And so God is coming to Jesus and saying, this is my son. I'm claiming him. God wants to speak that same word over you. With my girls, we dance, we hug. They're my girls. They're, they're mine. I don't want some idiot coming along, stealing my girl's heart because their dad didn't have the, the capacity to show them who they belong to. Come on. And so I'm after, I'm pursuing my daughter's hearts. I'm pursuing the heart of my son. And I'm identifying them and claiming them because if you don't claim them, dad, somebody else will. Let me just tell you right now, there are dark demonic agendas at work in our nation. I don't care what side of the political aisle you are on in the nations of the world. There are dark demonic agendas to steal and and usurp the authority that God has called to give to, to moms and dads In their kids lives and if you don't take that authority and you don't identify for them right you don't you don't claim them then there can be such a a usurping and someone else will take that role and that's not good and God wants to take that role in your life and be your father so this is my son the word of identity again you got to receive it from the father number two he says whom I love and I love this I mean think about these words maybe again you had a broken relationship with your father perhaps and perhaps you didn't hear the word of identity. Perhaps you didn't hear this word of affection to know that you're loved. But I just want to tell you right now, as a father, let me speak the heart of God for you today. I'm your father and I love you. I love you. Not based on your performance, not based on how good or bad you were yesterday or the day before or today. I love you because you are my child. And God's affection goes, it's beneath anything you do, good or bad. Anything you do in life is, is founded upon, number one, that God loves you. You might've been the most wayward, prodigal, out there, doing your own thing, rebellious person, but at no point did God not desperately love you. You need to know you're loved just because of who you are to God. This is where the supernatural love of God comes into play. The supernatural level of God that says beyond anything you do good or bad, God's love for you has always been faithful. The faithfulness of God, the love of God is always consistent and you can build your life upon that reality. That's why I basically almost cry every time we sing the song Reckless Love of God because for me, when I, I, I get—I don't know about you, but I go up and down in my emotions, up and down in my mindset, up and down in feeling like I'm good, I'm bad, I'm this, I'm that, I'm whatever, insecure, insecure. But when I catch sight of the love of God, that for me is an anchor point where nothing goes below because I can hang on to that and go, you know what? Yeah, I did mess this up, but God still loves me. So he speaks that word over Jesus and he speaks it over you. This is my son, this is my child, whom I love, God's love. So identity, affection, and then third, in whom I am well pleased. This is the word of affirmation. Now, I believe that we live in a chronically discouraged culture. We live in a world where people are not encouraged. They are discouraged. It's competitive. It's this rat race. People are hostile. Uh, They're mean. You know, I had one guy, I I run ads on Facebook, and one guy, you know, I told Bethany, I was kind of laughing. I'm like, geez, like, who feels comfortable to write these things? He just wrote, this is why something about, he was criticizing something, and then he says, this is why I hate you. And I'm like, you hate me. You don't know me. You saw a Facebook ad. Like, who feels comfortable to make a determination of hating someone based on what you saw on Facebook? Ooh, that might strike some people right now, huh? (laughs) Because it's easy to go, man, what a ridiculous guy. Yeah, but we do it, don't we? I hate this group. I hate this institution. I hate these people. Why? Why? I am well pleased. People are discouraged. Just look around. People are discouraged. That's why when you go and tell somebody, hey, you did a really good job, they're like, what? (laughs) No. (laughs) You think about how fast you can pump air into somebody's balloon and send them up to the stratosphere? (laughs) Do you know that if you went into the grocery store and you just encouraged somebody, hey, man, your shirt is like really cool. That is sweet. I like that. Where'd you get that? Oh well, you know, like Goodwill actually. <laughs> <laughs> oh, really? Like you're value shop. Like you know what's up. You're frugal. That's awesome. Yeah. Oh, well, you know. Yeah, I care about that because. It... Do you, Do you realize that encouragement is a gateway to basically lead people to Jesus. Affirmation, encouragement, and not just you know being fake about it. I'm talking about when you actually love people, you want to encourage. Okay, so. But to get to that place where you can encourage people and affirm others, you've got to be affirmed. And this is the thing, if you can't receive from God affirmation that goes beyond uh, insecurity and all of that, then you can't do that for other people. And so he says to Jesus, I am well pleased. Your father is here to affirm you. What I love about the timing of this is you've got to recognize Jesus is being baptized. He has not done anything for God yet. He hasn't, there's no, uh, you know, he hasn't gone off and healed people. He hasn't preached the Sermon on the Mount. He hasn't done any loaves and fishes that we know about. I mean, maybe his parents were like saving money at Chick-fil-A because they'd be like, Jesus, do the thing. You know, they were like, one chicken sandwich, please. (laughs) (laughs) Here you go, Jesus. And he's, you know, everybody gets chicken nuggets. So I don't know, but I don't think so. Uh, And uh, I'll let you just unpack the theology of that. So Jesus hasn't done anything, but yet God is saying, I affirm you. His father is saying, I affirm you. I am well pleased with you before you've even played the game. It's like saying, man, you played an awesome game. I, I am so proud of the game you play. Well, I haven't played the game yet, Dad. It doesn't matter. Well, but like, what if I don't score? No, you're going to do great. I affirm you. Like, I encourage you, not on the basis of just your performance, but I encourage you on the basis of your identity and my affection for you. Therefore, I can affirm you and release you to be who you're supposed to be. You see, when a father who knows their child intimately, when they know them and they know what they're crafted to be, they can speak prophetically and destiny words and they can release that which has not manifested in the real world yet. My parents spoke prophetically over each of us as kids. They said, you're going to do great things. You're going to do this. And when I actually got to the game field, I was unbeatable because prophetically I was already there uh, as a victor before I ever crossed any line. And see, maybe you're holding back from your kids or like holding back, affirming, like, well, they've got to go out and prove it. Why? Prove it by prophetically speaking what you want them to be. Come on, dads, you can prophetically speak into your kid's destiny, victory. You can speak into them, success. You can speak into them, not dealing with insecurity or pride. You can, yes, you're going to correct. Yes, you're going to deal with it. Yes, you're going to discipline. But as in the context of all of that, you can provide affirmation. And this is exactly what we can do as believers in Christ, as spiritual fathers and mothers with other people. As younger Christians are growing in the Lord, you can speak into them and say, You're this. You know, one of our dear sisters that goes to church here, and I know she's probably watching. So, Jennifer Watts, what's up? Uh, She's awesome. Jennifer, one day, she was telling me some things, and I said, Jennifer, you're an evangelist. And she was like, What? (laughs) You know, because that's a big word. And she's like, I don't know. And I'm like, You are. You're an evangelist. How could I say that? Spiritual father. Because I see her prophetic destiny, that she has those abilities, that capacity to unleash and unlock that that evangelistic gift. Well, but she hasn't gone and done a Billy Graham crusade. Not yet. Just wait. Because I believe in you, Jennifer. You are an evangelist. Come on. We can affirm other people prophetically as spiritual parents. Okay. So the father says, I'm well pleased because God believes in who he made him to be. God believes in who he made you to be. The designer, the creator, the father knows what your potential is. Therefore, he can affirm you on the basis of what he made you to be. So these are the three words that we need to receive from the father. And again, if you are too zoomed in, you won't be able to receive it. You've got to receive it from God as father to deal with those wounds, those hurts, and let God speak to you in these things. So let me give you a, quick, a couple of quick applications, and then we will go eat delicious food, dads. Come on, I'm excited. And then tonight, just cap it off with beef jerky. Just doesn't get any better. Unless there was like a duck football game that suddenly happened today for some reason. That would make it better, but not a miracle worker. All right, so number one, zoom out your view of God. Let go of the things that are clouding your vision. So I want you right now, And as this message goes on, maybe in the groups, and this can be painful. This might be something that that brings some tears and some emotion. But you need to see what is clouding my vision? What is limiting my vision of God? What experiences have I allowed to shape and color and filter how I see my Father in heaven? Can I not receive his word of identity or affirmation or affection based on what took place in my life? And as you go through that, you need to forgive and release. Forgiveness is kind of like the, the basic level of Christianity. Forgiveness is sort of the non-negotiable. Jesus says, if you don't forgive, your heavenly father can't forgive you. And so you got to do that work of processing and getting a zoomed out view of God so you can forgive and release the abuse or the, the pain. doesn't mean you have to go have a relationship. I'm not saying that. I understand there needs to be boundaries, but, but as a believer, you've got to move past and release and forgive so that there can be redemption so we need to zoom out our view of God and let go of those things that are clouding our vision of Him so we can properly receive that, the words of the Father. Number two, we need to then receive the ministry of the Father. As you are moving through and zooming out, then it's important to receive and bring in the ministry of the Father, meaning your identity, who, who you are, okay? receiving His affection, that He loves you. Okay, Maybe today you don't think God loves you. And you go, no, 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 I know God loves me. No, no, no. Not do you, can you say it? Not do you, can you throw out the verse? No, I mean, do you believe it? Does it hit you at your stomach level? Does it feel like you just ate a big burrito from Taco Bell? That's how far it has to fall. You know what I'm saying? It's got to go depth into you that you know at root level. It has to be when you're falling that you know my feet, if I fall as far as I can at some level, my feet will hit the ground of God's love. That's what you need to receive today. And then you need to receive his affirmation that he's proud of you, he's for you. Because when he can affirm you, when he affirms you in who you're called to be, that's when you can also receive his correction and discipline. See, my dad, he would ride me all up and down. Don't do that, do this, what are you doing? You got you know, rocks for brains, what are you doing? But why could I take that? Because he affirmed me. He was calling out of me who I was to be. And so in the context of affirmation, in the context of prophetic destiny, my father was able to shape me, correct me, discipline me, and help hone me in to be the man that God had called me to be. Was there a work I had to do? Absolutely. Did I blow it and sin and make my own mistakes? 100%. But my father was doing his role to help shape and craft and push out. Dads, listen, don't be like one of those people who's like, oh, my kids will just make their mistakes and they'll learn. Why? Why wouldn't you give them an advantage? If you, if you went off a cliff and you crashed and you fell 50 feet and broke your ankle and broke your kneecap and lost you know, four teeth, now you have diamond teeth because you smashed your face on a rock, why would you sit there and be like, oh, my son will learn. He'll learn. He might die when he falls off that cliff. So why don't you wake up and actually parent your children? Well, they'll just figure it out. Everybody needs to go through that phase. No, you don't. <laughs> why don't you just have a lot of smart phases? They'll make their own mistakes. They shouldn't have to make the ones you did. You with me? So speak to your kids, parent your kids, raise your kids. There's a reason that you're the parent, they're the child. A lot of people have forgotten this in our culture. We were at a park recently and a lady was like, okay, Owen, you know, Owen, you know, I don't remember the kid's name, but he was like hitting people with sticks and screaming and I would have been like, okay, Owen. <laughs> All right. <laughs> You've met some of my children, so you realize we have our, uh, we're up to our neck with it. So, okay. Okay. But it comes in the context, hear me out here, identity, affection, affirmation. And then you can receive correction and discipline. This morning, I want to invite you to put your trust in Jesus. You know, the first thing about receiving God as Father is to receive Jesus as your Savior. That he's that, the entryway to receiving what Jesus did for you to give you access to God and restore that relationship. If that's you, just pray with me. Jesus, I put my trust and my faith in you. I thank you that you laid your life down for me and paid for my sins that I wronged my Father. I wronged my Heavenly Father. And I pray for your forgiveness. I receive what you did for me at the cross. And I put my faith and trust in you. And I receive receive you, God, as my Father. I pray that you'd give me the grace to follow you the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. One last thing before we give you some next steps is that if, if you are watching this today and you're kind of hurting a little bit, because I know there's father wounds and can be uncomfortable, and I just want to pray for you that God will will bring healing in your heart. Lord, I just release your your healing. I release your grace on people's life. Lord, I I am so blessed. I've had a wonderful dad, and Lord, even father wounds and issues I've had. Lord, I'm I'm so far uh, just blessed and lucky to have not had some of the deep things that have occurred—abuses and whether it's physical or verbal or sexual or or absences or whatever. So, Lord, I, I just right now stand with my brothers and sisters and pray for your healing, for redemption, for forgiveness, for restoration, and that wound and that, that sting that's there even now. You're lifting it out. You're bringing healing and calm. I can just sense, Lord, that you're just bringing that, 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 that rain that just saturates in and it cleanses away the, the dirt, the, the foul, the filth, the, the stink of wounds. Your Holy Spirit is cleaning out and you're creating a new heart and a capacity to now see you correctly as father. You're bringing restoration and relationships. Your your spirit is turning hearts of fathers to children and children to fathers. And Lord, we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. If you decided to follow Jesus today, I want to encourage you to text the word DECIDED to 541-229-8848. Text the word DECIDED to 541-229-8848 so we can help you take your next step as a follower of Jesus. And if anyone that's watching here live or on replay would like to take their next step as part of Joy Church, then just text that uh, same number, 541-229-8848. Text the word HOME to 541-229-8848, and we will get connected with you. Guys, 530 tonight at The Loft, 2940 Chad Drive. Excited to see you for some beef jerky. 630 on Wednesday, and right now we're going to jump into Connect Groups. God bless you, and happy Father's Day.